Welcome to the Daily Creed, where we help you break your limited beliefs that are holding you back from being a personal and professional success when you master the five character traits of commitment, resilience, excellence, execution, and discipline. You will have the power to dominate your industry and live the life you desire. And now, helping you to grow in every aspect of your life, your host, J.R. Spear. Spear. Welcome, everyone, to another episode on our Daily Creed Podcast show. Today, I have Madeleine Claire Weiss, and she is a licensed psychotherapist and board-certified executive coach who began her career with certification in medical laboratory technology from Penn's Graduate Hospital. As the daughter of one of the 120,000 work stress-related deaths per year, Madeline left the lab bench early, early on to address this problem head on. She is a co-author in the Handbook of Stressful Transitions Across the Lifespan and best-selling author of Getting to Great, which is a five-step strategy for work and life. Madeline is a former mental health practice director, a corporate chief organizational development officer, and associate director of the an anatomical gift program of Harvard Medical School. And I probably screwed that word up. She has been <laughs> featured on NBC, W4W Radio, Fox TV, Talk 4 TV, and presented for the American Bar Association, Harvard Law School, the International Association of Business Communicators, National Association of Realtors, DC Academy of General Dentistry, AARP, Wharton Innovation Summit, and the Bureau of National Affairs. So welcome, Madeleine. That was quite the introduction and a mouthful. So thank you so much for sending. I'm really excited about hearing what uh, your story. And like I told you before we got on here, this is my first time hearing it. So I'm anxious to hear about you. We had this schedule for a long time and just want to yeah. hear, hear what you're doing and the difference that you're making and about your book and, and the impact that you're making on the world. So thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here today. Yeah. So how do you say that word? Uh, the one that I, I totally screwed Anatomical. up. There you go. Got it. So you got it. Perfect. Well, the way that I always like to tell the story is I want to hear your backstory. Like before you started doing what you're doing, kind of lead us in and tell us who you were before now. Yikes, because that's um, many decades ago. Uh, In the um, intro, there was some mention of my father dying very early of, uh, well, I'll get to that. So Since I was a kind of a mouthy little girl and still am, I was grounded a lot. So when my father died suddenly of a stroke, um, people didn't talk to their children about their feelings and what's going on in their heads and all that kind of stuff then, or at least in my part of the world then, the way they do now. So when he died, I went for a good long time actually thinking, kind of like he died of me until one day at the cemetery when I broke down with my mom about how all my fault it was. And she said, no, honey, it wasn't you. It was work. And I was worried about my mom at the time and how she was going to manage. And I was 15 and a half years old and I was actually beating the streets trying to get a job. And That's why I, a part of why I always feel so privileged to be doing the work that I do, because nobody would give me a job. Mm. And the mind, and I can get into a whole thing about that, but the mind makes up stories and then we live live in them like they're 
true. And I was making up stories about why, what was wrong with me? Nobody would hire me. The situation was it was Pennsylvania and they had laws against child labor. So what I could do, though, was I was nearing graduation from high school and I went right from there into the program that we mentioned at Penn, where for in 18 months, I was able to um, come out with a certification in medical technology. So from there, I worked in industries such as the USDA Biological Control Lab, Clinical Chemistry Laboratories, Drexel University's Cardiac Rehab Research Laboratories. So it was pretty much bugs and blood and stuff like that. But there was always, for this reason, I I think having a lot to do. I mean, it might have just been my nature, but I think a lot of it had to do with my um, father working himself into the ground, literally that I there was always this call to the people. And so little by little, I kept studying and getting credentialed and studying some more and studying some more and studying some more. So I became a um, classically trained psychodynamic psychotherapist and then uh, managed care hit the scene. And I found myself as the administrative director, treasurer, of a group mental health practice and thought, and I don't know a thing about business. So I went to business school to learn a thing about business. Um, it's I don't think it's in my bios anywhere, but I also studied, studied Advaita Vedanta pre-Hindu tradition, believe it or not, for somewhere between 20 and 25 years and have a um, very intense interest in evolutionary psychology and brain science and blog on that every week. And so there's this really hefty toolkit of all kinds of stuff in it that I bring to this work that I think of as, you ready for the elevator pitch? Yeah. So helping busy professionals, executives, entrepreneurs, find more hours in the day, more energy and peace of mind, more clarity, focus, freedom, fulfillment, maintaining high performance in all areas of their lives because everything's connected to everything else, work, play, love, and life, Um, maintaining high performance without burning out. That's really good. I, I love I love the fact that you're a student of your craft and you're constantly out there be like, hey, you know what? I don't know this. So let me go study it. Let me go learn it. And uh, I think a lot of people don't really take on that initiative because they see that's going to be too long or too hard. And they're like, well, I don't want to put in the time. I want I want the immediate success. I want the immediate results right now. And just hearing your resume and what you've been through is very, very impressive. And just I feel like I've well, been through a lot, but not even uh, not can't even touch you. Yeah, because you haven't lived as long as I have, but I have a story. I have a story. I was studying cognitive development at Harvard with a renowned professor. And because I'm annoying this way, I raised my hand and I said, you know, I notice you're using mind and brain, the words interchangeably. And I'm wondering if you can unpack that please for us. Hmm. And he he got kind of annoyed. With the question, and he and he said, "I'll tell you what. Why don't you take your brain out, stick it on a slab, cut it up in little pieces, and see what's left of your mind?" So I knew that he was not happy with me. So at the end of the class, I went up to him to apologize, 
And he said, and this is to your point, he said, that's okay. You have epistemic hunger. So I had to go look up what that meant. And I think what that means is that just this hunger for learning. Mm. So it's not even that I made myself do all that learning. Mm. I have to. <laughs> yeah. So every week for any of your listeners who want to go to MadelineWeiss.com, there's a blog tab. And also, if you get on my mailing list, if you scroll down, you can find the places to do that. You will get a blog post from me on something typically I wanted to learn more about. And the reason that I wanted to learn more about it is because I could see my clients were working with whatever it was, or because I saw a piece of science that knocked my socks off. And I thought, I have to tell everybody about this. But then I um, spent probably way too many hours researching it, really trying to learn something that I can then make really simple for us, for me, and then for the people that I'm transmitting it to. And that's what I did with the decision-making that we said we might be talking about today. I went yeah. nuts reading the, the science on that. Yeah. So I, I love, uh, there's just so many cool things. And I love the obsession that you have for learning because we can all, I mean, that is like the greatest gift I think that we can have is just constantly learning and then going out there and making an impact to help people with what we did. And I, I also believe that we, the things that we learn, we're not supposed to hold on to it, but we're supposed to use it to impact and help others. So you're a bestseller author of a book that I want to hear about. So I want to know more about your book. I want to know more about what you're doing in this world to make that impact. So because of there being so many different things in my toolkit, and also because my clients, I realized one day, like something's working here, but I got all this stuff in my toolkit, no telling what I'm going to pull out when. And they're also different one from the other, like age, ethnicity, occupation, gender, whatever. And I thought, so what is it? What's what's in common here? And I, you know, I laid them all out and I'm looking and looking. And I came up with this five-step process, which I call the five-step um, strategy that no matter who they were and no matter what I was doing with them, there was this process that people were going through. And I was very excited when I saw that it fit into the acronym GREAT, because I think that's such a great word. So, yeah. That's really cool. And uh, how, when when did the book actually get published and get out there? Oh, geez, that's a good question. It's been a little while. Like it feels like a while now. I can tell you exactly when if I can find the copyright page. Here it is. 2021, March 10th. It oh. it doesn't say March 10th here, but I remember. It's okay. March 10th. So so a little bit so a little bit longer than a year. And what are you doing to utilize the steps and give us like a really good high-level overview about what someone would take away by reading your book? So if, if the listeners are taking right here, what are like one to three concepts that they're going to gain? and why they need to buy your book and be able to move forward and, and seeing what you're about. So the first line of the book is the whole thing. And it is this, a great life depends on a great fit between who we are and the environments in which we work and live. Now, when I wrote that, I thought, God, that's really good. And then I realized Darwin said that. 
<laughs> like we've known for a really long time that a great life depends on the fit between the organism and the environment. Yeah. What's different now, though, is that we have this very highly developed prefrontal cortex. And so we don't have to just to adapt to what is. We can actually, and we could, we could as a society, as a culture, as a civilization, do this better than we're doing it right now. You watch all this climate and such, but we can create and we can choose the environments more than we ever have. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Right. So, um, and the work. So, so what happened is no sooner was the book published and I saw, and there, um, to your question, at the end, there are about 10 chapters on all kinds of everyday things that matter to us from who am I to the tyranny of time. I have this chapter I love on um, managing your mouth, and it's not about food. It's about, you know, using our words in ways that are effective and helpful. And so at the end of every chapter, there's a case study, and there's also an exercise. Uh, so people have seemed to really enjoy, and also there are anecdotes about my life that are on topic of whatever the chapter is about. But after the book was already published, I saw this crazy statistic that we make 35,000 decisions every day. Mm. Holy Hannah, oh my God, no wonder everyone's so tired. And there is a thing called decision fatigue, which is described medically. I didn't know that either. And uh, I thought, yeah, right. What is this five-step processor strategy, if not a series of decisions we make all day, every day mm. about who we are in the environments in which we work and live? And then, right after that, I saw that Forbes said that every company should put decision-making at the top of its 2022 agenda. Interesting. So then, so then I got nuts reading about decision-making. And what I came up with was so many myths and misunderstandings that we just ordinarily have about how to make a good decision. I then put online courses in three parts because I realized it's one thing what I call optimizing decision making. That's one that's one segment. But you can make a really great decision and it's worth nothing if you have no committed to no commitment to it and you therefore don't execute. And then I realize, yeah, but even if you come up with a great decision and you're really committed to it, there are almost always other people involved. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know how to navigate that, or you don't think it's important to navigate that, you can make a great decision and be as committed as you like, and it's probably going nowhere. So the, the optimizing, the decision-making, though very important, sort of, stands on its own two feet as helpful, I think. It's not enough. There's kind of more to it after that to actually bring it to real life. So. Yeah. So uh, the, 
I, without, cause I'm sure there's a lot of science and you can go really uh, in depth on this, but just a high overview. If someone is like an entrepreneur listening to this and they're like, Hey, you know what? I want to make better decisions for my business. Cause I want to be a better leader or should I do this project or that project or whatever it may be? What is like a very simple process? And I know it's probably not simple, but where can they start? And when it comes to making the right decisions. So I have a, a PowerPoint presentation on this. Um, this is the talk I just gave at the Wharton Innovation Summit. And I'm picturing the slide that says, go fast, go bold, go emo. That's my son's word for when I'm emotional. So that's short for emotional. So go fast, go bold, go emo, go high. And then in that presentation, I show all the evidence for why our default is slower, safer than it is sometimes better to be, like what the science shows about why we might just want to um, overcome the urge to play it safe. And go faster and go bolder. And there's all this science on that, which I was extremely excited about. There's also a myth that I just had a client say it a couple of weeks ago. She was like startled almost. She said, I didn't know that my emotions were supposed to matter in decision making. Well, as it turns out, and it there's all this science on this, that um, decision making is actually, you know, planning, discernment, judgment, decision making is all impaired when there is a severing of the connection between the emotional brain and the higher brain. That the emotional brain has all this. So there's a there's a story about a doctor who couldn't get dressed in the morning because he'd lay out all his pants, and because he had a, a frontal brain in, injury. He didn't have access to any emotional response or preference. So he didn't know he didn't know which pants he wanted to put on. But there's very sophisticated data on that, that there were people who had similar injuries where they their emotions are not feeding in to their higher brain that shows that people would make choices that would result in bankruptcy. They would make financial choices that would result in bankruptcy, and they knew that it would result in bankruptcy, but they didn't know how they felt about it. So they had nothing to stop them because mm. they didn't feel like, oh, God, I don't want that kind of a thing. So there's lots of data on emotional numbing. Now, emotional numbing can happen because your culture or your family taught you that you weren't, which really seemed to be the case with this woman, she just didn't think she was supposed to take any of that into consideration, which is wrong. And um, also you, someone might've had a trauma and their way of dealing best with the trauma at the time was to shut down emotionally. And it's like too much of what was once a good thing now, because we really need that data. Mm. And so to utilize the learning from all these studies, which means to override some of what comes automatically. In order to do that, you have to know how to kick it upstairs to the higher brain. And so there's what I call a 30-second mindset reset. And I've named that power breathing because it is so powerful. And we could do it if you want. But 
There's a one sheet on that, a very simple instruction on how to uh, stimulate the polyvagal. So this is the hand model of the brain. And this is the emotion center. And this thing is overexcited in one way or another, positive or negative. It almost doesn't matter. The excitement, the agitation, the it knocks. This is the higher brain. It knocks it offline. Mm. So you don't have access to any of your better judgment. And this thing is driving the bus, which we do not want. But we want this thing to be able to say to the higher brain, either I really love what's going on here. Or I really don't like what's going on here. Can you help out? And then this thing, now that it's integrated through this 30-second mindset reset, can say, thank you for sharing. I got it from here. And so you have this really nicely integrated brain. And how you do that is with this very simple certain kind of breathing that stimulates the polyvagal nerve, which runs from, you know, like the abdominal area all the way up to the brain. People are worried that they'll be so chill that they won't be able to think well, and that's completely wrong. What it does is it really sharpens your thinking. It really brings a kind of clarity and a focus and an energy that is much better than the exhaustion that a lot of us are typically typically grappling with as we go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth trying to decide. And they they say a lot of people delay their decisions because they're waiting for more information. But the science shows that the longer you wait, the more actually burnt out from the whole thing you are and the new information is lost on you anyway. So in order to put the higher brain in charge, of moving forward, we do this 30-second mindset reset, and people seem to really feel what a difference that makes. It's interesting that you're you're bringing something like this, because I, I feel like I am the type of person where I'm very quick and decisive to make decisions, but I don't have the emotion attached to it. And I and kind of like, I mean, every time I was writing down a bunch of questions and stuff like that, and as I was writing them down, it's like you kept going back and answering them. So I was like, oh, okay, she's, she's got that. So, but the, the big thing for me is like when you were talking about your upbringing and trauma and things like that, like that, that has a huge play for me. And it's something that I've been trying to work through more so in the past year, trying to be more empathetic and have emotion and, and just kind of understanding stuff. Cause I'm very fast. Like when I, if I'm ready to make a decision, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it really quick versus my wife is very different. My wife is one of those people where she'll take a month to choose a pair of shoes. And she's just very, uh, you know, she just takes her time and thought and, and that's that's kind of why I'm like we're like I, I don't even have her involved. I go to her for consult sometimes with with certain things inside of the business, but for the most part, because I move so fast, I don't have time to wait for those decisions. So on what what she's doing. So, but uh, it's it's interesting well, to bring that up. That was in your past, though. Yeah. Because now you're gonna try maybe this power breathing. Um, Victor Frankl said, between stimulus and response, there is a space, and in that space is their ability to choose or opportunity to choose, and in that choice is our growth and our freedom. The mm. problem is, and I think you're describing this, not everyone has the space. Not everyone creates the space. It sounds like you might not be creating the space. So the next time you have a decision that you want to make really fast, 
if you could pause and the power breathing exercise I want you is in the pull down that says complimentary mind management exercises on my website, that power breathing exercise, this is 30 seconds. We're talking about 30 seconds and it puts you in a completely different space. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. And you might make the same decision, but I think giving yourself that pause, consulting with your higher brain, making sure that that's in the mix, you're making it sound like you think that your higher brain is in charge. I'm speculating that it's the other way around because it's happening so fast. Hmm. That's interesting. So so what I'm saying is let's get them integrated and this 30-second mindset reset will do that for you. And then things might look the same to you, but they might not. Yeah, that's really good. I'm definitely going to ask you for that link so that way we can share it even with our audience. So afterwards, we'll put that underneath for people to do it and uh, everyone will be able to to download it. So kind of coming up to the the end of the show and the big question that I always ask everyone is like, what is your creed? What is the one thing that you're most committed to that you're going to be resilient even through the most difficult times, showing up every day, giving your best and having the mental and physical discipline to complete your mission. So what is your creed? So I, I told you in the green room that the last course I took in business school was a leadership course. And the last thing they had us do was to write our own epitaph on our tombstone. And I hope I'm going to remember it correctly now. What it was, was she made us, she made us strong. And because we were strong, we were happy. And for that, we loved her. Hmm. And I feel like that's what happens in my work. The last hour, I was just talking with someone who it sounded like was about to enter into a partnership because she felt she wasn't enough. Mm. And and she talked about how this person was going to give her the empowerment. She felt like she lacked. And I said, the person you're describing sounds like a wonderful person to have into your mix, but not for that reason. And what we really need to do is strengthen your sense of yourself internally so that you make good choices externally, which very well may include her, but are not dependent and reliant on her for your whole future and your well-being and all of that. And so there's an example of going right to the strengthening of her. Mm. And I and I said to her, you know, this is going to matter for you in choosing a life partner also, Hmm. not because that person makes you what you feel you aren't by yourself in terms of your own empowerment, which has to live inside of you. So giving people that sort of strength, I really think does make us happy and um, helping people to live happy, healthy, prosperous and productive lives is what I live for. Does that answer the question? Absolutely. And I love how deep it was. And just the response with you and that client is is actually pretty powerful because I think a lot of people struggle with that because they feel like that they need it because it's going to fill a gap or fill a need, whether in business, personal, professional, whatever it may be. And uh, so I think your response to that is definitely eye-awakening for a lot of listeners. So it just uh, love well, that. What's interesting is she, um, real quick, 
she is just coming off the trauma of a very destructive partnership. So this is really important for her Hmm. not to, you know, I said, we all have our ways of being in the world and the habitual ones are the easiest ones to do because the groove is already there, but it may not be the best one going forward. So here we go again. Let's just pause. Let's just pause, you know, and uh, give this some consideration. This is not the only way. It's the old way, not the only way. So, yeah. That's really good. Well, for all you listeners out there, I'm going to post the links of how you can get a hold of her book. So that way you can click that and uh, some contact information. So if you'd like to have a one-on-one conversation with her, then you can definitely reach out, do that. And I will be looking for the link for the breathing exercise that she had mentioned. So make sure you click below this episode. And if you found it helpful and think that someone else could find it beneficial, please give us a five-star, subscribe to our show, and make sure you share it with your friends and your family so that way we can get her message out there. Until next time, simplify. Thank you for listening to the Daily Creed Podcast Show with J.R. Spear. If you want to get more leads and grow your business, head over to fitprofunnels.com to get your free gift today. That's fitprofunnels.com. And to connect with JR online, check him out on Facebook at jr.spear.3. Or feel free to join the Facebook group at FitProFunnels. And you can also find him on Instagram at jr.spear.